You're listening to Biceps After Babies Radio, episode number 60. Hello, and welcome to Biceps After Babies Radio, a podcast for ladies who know that fitness is about so much more than pounds lost or PRs. It's about feeling confident in your skin and empowered in your life. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, a registered nurse, personal trainer, wife, and mom of four. Each week, my guests and I will excite and motivate you to take action in your own personal fitness as we talk about nutrition, exercise, mindset, personal development, and executing life with conscious intention. If your goal is to look, feel, and be strong and experience transformation from the inside out, you, my friend, are in the right place. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, and I sure am glad that you are listening in today. I hope the discussion that we have about supplements today will be valuable and interesting to you. So this episode really came from people requesting it. I get questions all the time about supplements, and I feel like it's something that a lot of people are very, very confused on, and they're looking for some guidance. And so that's where this podcast episode came out of. You guys requested it. And I went onto my social media channels, and I asked the question of, what do you want to know about supplements? What questions do you have? What what seems confusing to you when it comes to supplements? And you guys responded, or at least those of you who are following me responded, which is, I guess is a good time to ask, are you following me? Are you following me on Biceps After Babies on Instagram and Facebook? If not, what the heck are you doing with your life? Come on over and follow me over there. We have a lot of fun. And I like to ask questions like this and get feedback about the podcast. So if you're wanting to be able to make your voice heard, that's one of the best places to reach me is through DM or in comments on Instagram and Facebook. But I asked, what do you guys want to know about supplements? And you came back with a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of questions. So many questions, in fact, that we're going to break this episode up into two episodes. So this week is part one of the supplements question and answer, and next week will be part two. Now, as we dive into this discussion about supplements, I really want to make make it known of where I'm coming from. I do have my bachelor's of science in nursing. Um, I I'm a registered nurse and have had lots of classes on um, nutrition and anatomy and physiology and the body, and then also have had experience with research studies and reading research studies and analyzing them. And I am very big on science. I am a big proponent of looking at the research and looking at the science behind something. And I think a lot of times in our very fast-paced news cycle, we have a lot of fear that is associated with people coming out and saying things before anything's been supported in research. And so I definitely like to go towards, do we have research to support this? If we have research to support it, then we'll do it. If we don't, then you know we can't say whether or not it's something that's beneficial, or we can't say whether or not it's something that is detrimental. Um, So that's where I come from. And I do try to read the research and I do try to keep up on the latest and the latest um, trends and the latest um, information that is coming out from reliable sources. And a lot of the sources that people nowadays tend to consume 
are fear-based sources and not necessarily based in um, replicable science. And that's something that's really important too. Just because you read one research study that says one thing does not mean that that's a cause and relation effect. And so when we're looking at research studies, we really need to be looking at things like meta-analyses and systematic reviews where we're looking at taking all of the research that has been done and analyzing it together as one big cohort rather than just a one-off study that could be funded by who knows what and who knows what their um, intention is with that study and who knows how honest they were with the results. I think people who aren't in the science industry don't understand how much leeway there is sometimes with reporting your results and how you report those results and how you run the statistics so that you can make your numbers look better. Um, I think there's a lot of very honest scientists out there, but you have to understand that there are a lot of people who aren't quite as honest and there are ways to run your results in and hide things and only report certain things in, in a research study. So I, I say that to, as we dive into this, as we dive into some of the science and I will try to keep it high level. We're not going to go into um, deep science. That's not really the point of this. I am I am speaking to an audience who is mostly people who are just general population. We don't really, we're not bikini competitors. We're not scientists. We're not, um, we're just general population members wanting to be a little bit more educated about our health and fitness journey. And so that's the level that I'm going to speak at, but I just really want you to understand where I'm coming from and, um, and understand that I also don't know everything. And I will be the first to say that science is sometimes still evolving. And I will never say that, you know, my opinion or my interpretation of things is a hundred percent fact. So I just kind of want to get that out there, let you know where I'm coming from. Um, I do have a background. I do have knowledge, but I don't know everything. Um, and so I will be very careful to try and speak to what the research says. And I will be trying to very careful to try and say when, um, it's something that I personally would do. And, and maybe that, that is different from what you would do. Um, but I just want to make that really clear as we dive into this topic, as it can get a little bit of uh, opinions being flown around when it comes to some of the things that we're going to talk about today. Now, I did put something really cool together for you guys for this episode. I put together a supplement cheat sheet, and it's a really easy visual way to see what I'm talking about and to see what I recommend and to see the different brands that I recommend and the different things that I, um, supplements I think you should take, or I think you shouldn't take, or I think that are kind of a gray zone. So if you go to the show notes at bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash 60, you can download that free supplement cheat sheet. And I think it's going to be a really awesome companion to what I'm going to talk about today. Also, I do think it's important to know that I am an affiliate with Ideal Lean Protein. Um, Ideal Fit is the brand. And I've been an affiliate with them for several years. I've used their protein for a really long time. And I do have a discount code with them. So if you use AmberB15, you save 15%. And I do get a kickback from that. So I think it's important just as we go into the discussion, this is the last time that I will talk about it. Um, But I just didn't think it's important for you guys to know that I do have an affiliation with a supplement company. Um, I don't necessarily promote all of their things. Um, There are things that I like and there are things that I don't like, but I do like their protein powder Um, and I have used their protein powder for a really long time. And if you're wondering what my favorite flavors are, 
chocolate peanut butter, of course, like duh, um, white chocolate peppermint. And then I also love the chocolate mint. So I'm a chocolate girl, chocolate mint, chocolate pro or chocolate peanut butter and white chocolate peppermint. Those are probably my three favorite flavors. And if you do decide to order from them, you can use my discount code AMBERB15 and that gets you 15% off your order. So we're going to dive in with questions. The first question that I'm going to answer is from Carly. And she said, do I really need supplements if I have a balanced diet? And I love this question. I thought it was the perfect question for us to kick off into because the answer isn't, isn't a big resounding yes that like everybody needs supplements. In fact, I really feel like too much of an emphasis is placed on supplements for a lot of people. And if you've ever heard me, um, if you've ever come to one of my live classes or you've heard me talk about the nutrition, the hierarchy of nutrition, it's a really important concept that very, very few people understand. And so I'm going to kind of describe the hierarchy of nutrition here. Uh, it's a lot easier if I can do it visually, but I'm just going to kind of walk you through what the nutrition, the hierarchy of nutrition looks like and why it's important. Um, so I want you to imagine a pyramid and at the base is obviously the widest portion and at the top is the most narrow. And we cut that pyramid into five sections. Section number one on the very base of the pyramid is calories. And that means that calories, when we're talking about um, weight loss and weight gain, the most important thing that matters for that is the calories that you're eating, calories in versus calories out. Now we go one step up on the pyramid. So a little bit higher on the pyramid, you have macronutrients. So that's how many carbs, fat, and protein you're eating. And that is also very important when it comes to what we gain or lose when we're talking about weight loss or weight gain. The amount of macronutrients that we're eating really makes a difference in what we are losing or gaining. And then one step up from that would be micronutrients. And these are things um, like vitamins and minerals and help support our overall health and are very important as well. The one step up from that would be meal timing and frequency. Um, and so this is how many meals are you eating? When are you eating them? What are you eating pre-workout? What are you eating post-workout? Are you doing intermittent fasting? All of these questions about how many meals you're eating in a day and how frequently you're eating is further up on that pyramid. And then at the very tippy top of the pyramid are supplements. What are we doing to supplement our diet and what are we adding in? And so what is really important to understand is that we, as we look at this new hierarchy of nutrition, the things at the base of the pyramid are the things that move the needle the most when we're talking about weight loss or weight gain or muscle gain um, is the things at the bottom of the pyramid. And as we move up the pyramid, it becomes less and less and less important or said a different way less likely to move the needle any significant amount. And so what I find is people zero in on supplements before they have their foundation, right? Because supplements are, are easy in a sense, right? You just dish out some money and you pop a pill or you like scoop some powder. And it's like, it's like a problem you can throw money at. <laughs> and so we're like, okay, that sounds easy. Like just buy this product and eat it. Like that's super easy. I can do that. And so we focus on the supplement part of the pyramid before we've even gotten the foundational part of the pyramid. So my advice, get the foundation in place first. 
If you have a solid training regimen, meaning you're consistent, you have a plan, like you're showing up, you're like making progress, and you already have adherence to your diet. And by diet, I don't mean like, are you doing keto versus uh, intermittent fasting versus whatever? I mean, like, do you have um, a plan and a structure for your food and are you adherent to it? If you have those two things in place, a solid training regimen and adherence already to your diet, then we can start to talk about adding supplements and we can start to say, okay, supplements don't make a huge difference, but they can move the needle a little bit. And since we're already capitalizing on the, like the foundational portion, let's talk about this, you know, this little one to 5% extra that we can get from supplements. However, if you do not currently have a solid training regimen, or you currently don't have adherence to your diet, start there. Take your time, take your energy, take your money and put it towards those things because those things are going to move the needle. Those things are actually going to make like little changes in those things can make a huge difference. Whereas adding in supplements, it really is just like that last one to 5% difference. And so to answer the question, do I really need supplements if I have a balanced diet? If you have a solid training regimen and you have adherence to your diet and you have a very specific goal that you're working towards, then we can bring in supplements and then we can talk about supplements. If you are a generally healthy person who likes to go to the gym, likes to eat fairly healthy, just wants to be a fairly healthy person and that's your goal, I would say no. You don't need supplements. You can get all of your like nutrients from your food. Um, there's no reason to spend the extra money on supplements. So to make that a very concise answer, supplements aren't just for people who are looking to be generally healthy. They're for people who already like know what they're doing with their exercise, know what they're doing with the nutrition, and now have a specific goal that they are trying to hit. And now the supplements can like make that little bit of difference at the end to be able to push them towards that goal a little bit faster. Now, one thing that you also have to be very aware of is that the supplement industry is not regulated. Meaning when a drug company goes to put out a medication, they have to not only prove it's safe, but they also have to prove that it works. They have to have research and evidence showing that it actually does what it says it's going to do, that the compounds that are in it are the compounds that are in it. Um, and it's a very stringent process. This is not how the supplement industry works. This is not how the FDA regulates the supplement industry. They do The supplement companies do not have to prove that it works before they can sell it to you. They don't have to go and show anybody and say, hey, I say X, Y, and Z is in this, in this, um, this supplement and like here, you know, actually test it to make sure that like it actually is what it says it is and that the doses are what they say they are. Um, you will notice when you um, take you eat food, there is an ingredients list, right? Like on our food labels, there has to be an ingredients list. On your supplement labels, there can be things like proprietary blend on your ingredients labels. And they don't actually have to tell you what is in that proprietary blend. And so this is one of my beefs with some of the supplement companies is they won't actually tell you what exactly and the exact amounts that are in 
each of the supplements. So all of this to just have you understand that the supplement industry isn't bad. It isn't good. It just is unregulated in a way that many of our other things that we put into our body are regulated. And so that means that there is a vast array of options and that there is a vast array of things on the market that don't necessarily work or that don't necessarily even do what they say they're going to do. And that's not to scare you. It's just to make you aware when you're making these decisions, um, understand that the level of like entry into the supplement world is a much lower bar of entry. And I do recommend um, a website called labdoor.com. I really like Labdoor. Labdoor is a third party who tests supplements for potency and for, um, you know, is it what they say is in there? Is it in there? Um, is the right amounts in there? This is something that you'll find. We'll talk about, about when we talk, go to pre-workout, but like there can be, um, supplement companies can say that there are certain additives in there, but that they're underdosed. Um, the research has shown that five grams of uh, creatine is the ideal dose and ways that they'll save money is they'll underdose the creatine. And so one scoop will only contain, you know, 2.5 or whatever, or the beta alanine will be underdosed. Um, and so just to make you aware, I like Labdoor because it is a third party. They are not owned by any of the supplement companies and they go through and they actually do compare protein powders and compare pre-workouts and give them ratings, um, as kind of a third party non-biased, uh, review. Okay, so Jessica asked, what are a few good things to look for when comparing, quote, clean protein powders? And we're going to just table the, quote, clean. She put it in quotes, not me. Um, She put it in quotes, and we're going to table that for, we'll talk about that in just a minute. But let's talk about this idea of, like, what are we looking for when we're looking for a protein powder? Because I feel like protein powder is kind of the most accessible supplement. It's, it's that like first step. Most people who are coming into the supplement world in the fitness industry, they start with protein powder. Um, and it's become something that you can now buy at your local grocery store. And so it's pretty accessible for people, but it's really, really, really important to understand that not all protein powders are the same. Okay. This is something that I feel like so many people just, they just don't have any concept of. They're like, what brand should I buy without even having a concept that like there are different completely different types of protein powders. Um, So if we say that something is a protein, it simply means that it contains amino acids. And there are 20 different amino acids. Our body uses these as building blocks for um, our muscles and for our tendons and our ligaments. Um, And out of those 20 amino acids, nine of them are considered essential, which means there are nine amino acids we cannot get from, from anywhere but our food. Our body is unable to make nine of the amino acids. Now, the other amino acids, our body can actually synthesize. So if we're low on a non-essential amino acid, our body can just synthesize it and make it. But there are nine amino acids that our body cannot make and we have to get by eating. And so when we eat protein... um, we are able to extract that amino acids and we're able to use it. But it's really important to understand that just because you eat something with amino acids does not mean that your body gets access to those amino acids. And so there is something that we have to look at about amino acid availability, which means when you're eating protein, which of the 20 amino acids does it have in it? Because not every protein source has all of the amino acids in it. Plus, 
is our body able to break down those amino acids and actually use it? Is it able to be available to our body? What is the bioavailability of that protein? So, um, this we're gonna we're I'm gonna kind of pull back out again and not go down this rabbit hole of um, available bioavailability and um, digestibility, but just understand that like just because you're eating a thing of protein doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting all the amino acids that you need. And it doesn't necessarily mean that your body can digest it. And it doesn't necessarily mean that your body can synthesize it in a way that's going to be beneficial for you. So there are different types of protein powders. And if I asked you right now, what type of protein powder you use, most people don't know the answer to that. Um, and so now after I talk about this might be a good time to go into your cabinet and go check, like go check what kind of protein powder you're using. The most common type is whey protein and whey is kind of the gold standard when it comes to bodybuilding. Um, it is that liquidy stuff when you open up your yogurt and there's like that kind of liquidy milky looking stuff on the top that is the way the um, when you add a coagulant to milk, it separates the curds and the whey, um, and the whey is that liquid stuff. And so, whey protein comes from that. Whey protein is well loved in the bodybuilding world because it is very high in leucine, and leucine is um, helpful with muscle and maintaining muscle. Um, so, whey protein is the most common type of protein powder. Uh, it's usually the cheapest. And like I said, it is kind of the gold standard when it comes to the bodybuilding world and and, and lifting in general. Um, it There is problems with some people with it causing gastrointestinal distress uh, because it does contain lactose. And some people will find that they can't tolerate whey protein uh, very much. So another option is casein protein, which is... Um, you know, we talked about separating the curds in the whey, um, that casein is the curds part. And so it also comes from uh, milk, but it's a slower digesting protein than, than whey protein is. And actually one of the reasons people like whey protein is because it is a very rapidly digested and rapidly absorbed protein powder. So what you get is a spike, a quick spike in uh, amino acid availability for your muscles, which is why people, a lot of people take whey protein post-workout um, because you're giving your body that quick spike um, of amino acids that it can be able to use during that recovery period. Whereas casein is a much slower digesting and absorbing protein. Um, and a lot of people will use it in the nighttime because it like it slowly digests over that nighttime period. And casein can be used by some people who can't um, can't really handle whey protein. There are also some protein powders that are blends, that are a casein whey blend, um, trying to take kind of the best properties of both and, and blend them together. Another type of protein powder that has is not super common anymore, um, has kind of fallen out of favor a little bit, is soy protein. Uh, this is a vegan protein. So soy is, is actually a complete protein source, whereas a lot of plant-based proteins are not. And so for a while, so soy was like awesome. It was like, this plant-based protein source that had all the essential amino acids and people really fell in love with it. And then there came uh, some research studies that made it a little bit concerning that maybe soy could cause increased breast cancer risk. And it's kind of fallen out of favor um, after, after those research studies. Um, so I don't see soy powder a ton, but it still is on the market. And if you want to buy soy protein, protein powder, you can. 
Um, and then there's plant-based proteins. So these are obviously vegan. Um, they are made from plants. They don't have any lactose. So for people who um, struggle with lactose or struggle with the GI distress from whey protein, sometimes we'll do better with plant-based proteins. But it's really, under, uh, it's really important to understand that plant proteins are not often complete proteins. They often are low in some of the essential amino acids. And so sometimes what companies will do is try to make blends. They'll take like pea protein and um, quinoa protein and brown rice protein and like mix them together. And what they're trying to do basically is take a multiple incomplete sources of protein and place them together to try and make a complete protein source. However, it is important to understand that even when they do that, that um, different plants still tend to be low in some of the essential amino acids and those ratios tend to be not always as ideal. Um, but it is a way to get a vegan protein source in. And um, it's not something that typically is used by a lot of bodybuilders, um, unless you're vegan, right? Unless you're like a vegan, uh, that's that's your, your lifestyle choice. Um, if you are a vegetarian or vegan, or you do want to prefer to go with a plant-based powder and you're, you are looking to like lift weights and add muscle, uh, research seems to point to the fact that pea protein and brown rice protein seems to be the best for muscle growth. And there is some research that shows that there's not a whole lot of difference between pea protein and, and brown rice protein and whey protein when it comes to um, muscle mass growth. And then the last one that you hear a lot about, Ursula asked this question. She said, collagen, do we need it? Who should be taking it? So I feel like one of the, the newest things on the scene lately has been collagen and it's kind of exploded over the recent, over the recent time. Uh, and everybody, it seems, is like now all into collagen and taking collagen. And so I know a lot of people are confused. Is this something that I should have? Is, is it something that I take in, instead of the whey protein? Is it something that I just add? Like, you know, where does it fit into, into my supplements? So collagen it's, is definitely not a complete protein. Uh, it does not contain all these essential amino acids and the ratios are off again um, with those um, amino acids that it does have. So... What does that mean? It means that there is some research, some, some, again, it's new, right? We're kind of going into like a new territory. And so the research always takes a little bit of time to catch up. Um, but there is some initial research that's showing that collagen may be helpful for things like improving skin elasticity and maybe, um, People, some people promote some like anti-aging effects of it. Again, the research is very new. It's in its infancy. Um, good, actual, solid research takes time, and it takes time because the really best research actually takes all the research that's been done and, and looks at it. Um, and so it just takes time to like synthesize all that data and and get multiple research studies. Um, so there is some evidence that maybe for like hair, skin, and nails, and it, there may be provide some benefit. However, when it comes to muscle building, it's no, it's nowhere near the ballpark that the other protein powders are. Um, so what does that mean? If you are taking collagen to improve your skin or hair or nails, then it's it's totally fine. Um, and using collagen as one of your protein sources throughout your day, when you're getting 120 grams of protein in your day and 20 of those are coming from collagen, is no big deal because you're still getting all the essential amino acids in the other sources of protein that you're getting. However, I do not recommend using collagen 
as like a post-workout or as like even like a pre-workout, um, you're not going to get the same effect as you will as using like a whey protein powder, um, which is much more closely linked with um, being able to help with that muscle growth. Okay, so those were really long answers to kind of a short question, but that's because I think it's so important for people to understand what they are purchasing. So if you don't know which of those protein powders you have, I want you to go into your cabinet and look and figure out what type of protein are you using. If you're using a plant-based protein, what is the actual protein coming from? Is it quinoa? Is it brown rice? Is it pea? Like what, what is it actually coming from? Um, just so that you have an understanding of what you're taking and what you're using and what some of the pros and cons may be for each of the different types of protein powders. So this now brings us to the next question, which Sheree said, is it really bad to have sucralose in your supplements? And I'm going to bring back in with the initial question um, of you know, what are, what are some things to look for when you're comparing quote unquote clean protein powders? And this is where um, people have very strong opinions, right? Like some people have very, very strong opinions about the whether or not you should eat sucralose, um, whether or not you should use artificial sweeteners, whether or not um, certain ingredients are okay, certain ingredients are bad. Um, and so I will tell you what my opinion is and what my reading of the research is and what I personally do in my life. The research is pretty clear that sucralose does not appear to be carcinogenic, meaning it does not cause cancer. Um, That has been shown multiple times over multiple studies over multiple years. Now, when we get to this idea of like, is sucralose actually like harmful to your health um, in other ways? There seems to be a lot of research that supports that no, there's a lot of meta-analysis out there, a lot of systematic reviews that say no, like there is a lot of evidence to show that it does not pose long-term health or it does not pose health effects, health now. And we are starting to get some of the long-term effects, right? Because that's also a problem with research. There is a difference between the short-term effects and the long-term effects. And we are starting to get into some of those long-term effects with how long sucralose has been around, but the research is still coming in. So there is no... Where you decide to fall in this continuum of whether or not you want to include sucralose into your diet is your choice. I will tell you personally, I eat sucralose and I use protein powder that has sucralose and I drink diet soda. Um, and for me, my like line that I've kind of drawn for myself is that I try to limit it to like one source a day. So if I am eating a protein bar that has sucralose in it, then I don't have, you know, my protein powder or, um, you know, I just try to limit it to one source a day. And for me, that feels like a really good compromise. Um, I am not eating tons and tons of it because dose tends to matter, um, with a lot of things. Uh, so I'm keeping my dose relatively low, but it's not like I'm banning it from my diet. That is what I personally do. You as a adult get to decide what you want to do. And if you've decided that for you personally, you want to cut it out of your diet, then that's awesome. And you can totally do that. Um, and if you are curious as to, you know, what other people do, I personally eat sucralose. Um, so you will find that in a lot of things, I, I tend towards moderation. Like that is my default for like so much of life. I just think that, um, these, the extremes that people often go to, um, 
there's a, a nice happy medium in between. And for me, that's n- like thinking about, okay, having one source of sucralose a day or one source of artificial sweeteners a day and trying to have the rest of my day be healthy and be whole foods and um, be things that are fueling my body. But for me, that is the, that is a place of moderation that I've chosen for myself. So in my opinion, um, should you avoid sucralose in your protein powder? I would say not, but you as a grown adult get to decide for yourself. Okay, last question about protein powder. We'll move on to another supplement. Erin asked, is there any benefit to taking protein powder on rest days? And I think it's really important to understand that protein powder's purpose is really just as an easy source of protein, okay? And so you could also like reword the sentence to to be, is there any benefit to eating protein on rest days? Um, And obviously, like if you ask someone that, like, oh yeah, well, like your body needs protein all the time. Well, it's the same thing. Like, yeah, your body needs protein all the time even on days that you aren't working out. Um, and protein powder is really just a convenient, easy source of protein. Um, there's nothing magical about um, protein powder when it comes to like weight loss. Um, it, it, it just is a source of protein. It, al- it provides your body the amino acids. And um, if you are eating a complete source of protein you know, post-workout, is that just as good as drinking a protein shake? Pretty much. And especially for us general population people who aren't like trying to be the world's best bodybuilder or trying to be the world's best power lifter. Um, for most people, like if you just ate something with protein after after your workout, it's just about as good as the whey protein um, in a protein shake. The reason people like protein shakes is because they're easy and they're convenient um, and they have you know a quick spike of amino acids and uh, it's bioavailable to your body. So those are the reasons that people choose protein powders and it's why people um, will often drink them post-workout is because it's just an easy way. Like Instead of carting your chicken to the gym, you just card a protein shake. And it's a lot easier. You can mix it with water or milk or whatever. And it's just a convenient source. So to answer the question, is there any benefit to taking protein powder on rest days? Absolutely. Like just like there's benefit to eating chicken on rest days. Um, protein powder really is just, just think of it as a way to get protein into your diet. Okay. Next question. Brooke asked, if I'm trying to lose weight, should I avoid creatine? I do lift weights and I'm trying to build muscle. So creatine, I feel like is a very, very misunderstood supplement and there's a lot of confusion around it. So I'm going to try and break it down and make it really simple and help you to answer the question of whether or not it's something that you want to include in your supplement routine. So creatine is one of the most well-researched supplements. There are hundreds of of research studies showing that creatine does have an impact on your body. Supplementing with creatine helps you build muscle faster. It helps you build strength faster. It improves your anaerobic endurance. It improves muscle recovery, which also relates into the building strength and muscle faster because when you can recover faster, you're able to stress the muscle again, um, and that can compound being able to that strength and that muscle grown faster. Um, and it also has anti-catabolic effects. So um, catabolic is when you are breaking down muscle tissue and anabolic is when you are building it. So creatine has anti-catabolic effects, meaning it prevents the muscle from being broken down. Now, creatine is something that is natural in our body. Your all of us have creatine in our bodies. It's present in almost all of your cells. And it basically acts as a 
energy reservoir. So when you supplement with creatine and you take it in a supplement form, you're basically increasing your total body creatine stores with most of that going into your muscle cells. And so you can kind of start to see what will happen in your muscle cells if you have significantly higher levels of readily available energy. You get performance increase and performance enhancement. And so that is what supplementing with creatine can do for you. It is most useful in anaerobic activity. So for things that are quick and short and fast. So things like sprinting, um, things like lifting, right? Where you're doing like a big squat um, that's quick and short and fast. It is not as good for long distance running or, you know, anything that goes over like the 60 second mark. Um, it is really directed towards helping you increase your like things that you're doing with your anaerobic activity. Um, and it does because of this help you with increasing reps and helping you increase the weight that you're amount uh, able to lift. You can just see when you have more energy reservoir and you're able to access that energy, um, quickly, then you're able to perform better. And so between lifting heavier, doing more reps, um, faster recovery, you can start to see how supplementing with creatine can help you to get stronger and build muscle faster. Now, if you just take creatine and you don't do anything, nothing's going to change. So with as with like a lot of supplements, it's not just the taking of the creatine that helps you. It's not just the taking of the pre-workout that helps you. It's when you take it and then you actually show up at the gym and do the work and increase your reps and increase your sets and have that consistency. Then now compared to where you would have been, if you hadn't had the creatine, you will be a little bit further along, but you have to actually show up and you have to actually do the work. Now, when we're talking about dosage of creatine, the effective dose, and this has been shown and demonstrated in a lot of research studies, is about five grams per day. And you can either take that pre-workout or post-workout or not even around your workout. Um, there's been a little difference that's been shown, but mostly the, it seems like the most important thing is that um, you're just accumulating that amount of creatine in your body and in your system, not necessarily how precise the timing is in relation to your workout. So the most important thing is to say you've accumulated that creatine, which means do you take creatine on rest days? And the answer is yes, because what you're basically trying to do is overload um, more creatine in your body than like your body normally stores and just keep it at that amount so that when you need it, it's there. Um, and so if you're taking creatine, it's something that you would just take daily. It's not something that you only take on um, workout days, but that you would just take daily to keep that serum level of creatine up. Um, and you have to be careful because some pre-workouts do contain creatine. So you have to look at your pre-workout. If it contains creatine, then you know, maybe you take that on workout days and on rest days, then you could just take creatine by itself. Creatine is super, super cheap. Um, you can buy a big, huge thing of it by itself on Amazon for like 20 bucks for like a huge pack. Um, it's bulk supplements is the brand that I usually buy. And they just come in these big, like, um, plastic sacks and it's, it's fairly, fairly cheap. So, um, something that you would just take every day, now, who should take it versus who should not? So if you are a runner, creatine is really not for you. 
Okay. If you are a sprinter, like if you're playing football or you're doing something that was like quick, short runs, then there can be benefit to um, adding creatine. If you are somebody who is going to the gym, and again, like I talked about at the beginning, you've already established like your consistent training regimen, right? Like you're already showing up at the gym, um, you're consistently training, you have your nutrition on point, and you have a certain goal of gaining more muscle or gaining more strength, then creatine would be a good addition to your to your regimen. If you're somebody who um, you're just wanting to lose weight and maybe you're not lifting, there's no point in you taking creatine. Okay. And again, if you're somebody who you don't really have a training protocol or your diet isn't really on point, I would have you focus there before thinking about adding something like creatine. But creatine is very safe. Uh, the effects are very consistent in the research. It does help you add strength. It does help you recover faster. It does help you add muscle. And if that is one of your goals, and you already have the training and the nutrition down, that can be something that can really push you a little bit forward. Okay, so we obviously still have a lot to talk about. We haven't even mentioned pre-workout. We haven't talked about BCAs. We haven't talked about pregnancy and nursing and all of these other things. Um, But I'm going to take a break right now and we're going to push pause and we will finish up this conversation next week where I will be having part two of our supplement conversation or supplement Q&A. And like I said, we'll be talking about BCAs, pre-workout, those of you who are breastfeeding and um, pregnant and what you can take and what you shouldn't take. We'll talk about all of those things next week. One more quick plug. You can go to biceptorbabies.com forward slash 60 and you can download that supplement cheat sheet that I talked about. And I outline on there very visually. I have a nice graph, some charts, even some things that we didn't talk about here on the podcast because it's things that you have to see and charts that you have to read, um, which doesn't translate very well into me talking. Um, But I have a whole supplement cheat sheet that I put together uh, that you can go to bicepsterbabies.com forward slash 60. That's where the show notes are. And you can download that for free. And I hope that that will help you as you're making decisions about what supplements you should and shouldn't add to your fitness journey. I'm going to take a break right now and we're going to push pause and we will finish up this conversation next week where I will be having part two of our supplement conversation or supplement Q&A. And like I said, we'll be talking about BCAs, pre-workout, those of you who are breastfeeding and um, pregnant and what you can take and what you shouldn't take. We'll talk about all of those things next week. So if this was helpful to you, if you learned something here that you're like, I didn't know there were different types of protein powders. I now know that I am taking whey protein. If you learned something, will you please share it? If there's someone in your life who would like to learn a little bit more about supplements or understand their supplement routine, or they've been wondering if they should add things to their diet or um, supplement with things, will you please send it to them? You can share it on your Instagram or on your Facebook. You can also, on most apps, there's a little share button and you can text it really quickly to a friend or send an email. And that means the world to me when you share the things that I've created. So I will be back next week. We will talk more about supplements. And until then, I'm Amber. Now go out and be strong because remember my friend, you can do anything. Hold up sister friend. Do you love Biceps After Babies Radio? If so, the best way to say thank you is to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on iTunes. I know every podcaster wants you to leave a review, but it's because those reviews help the podcast to reach more people. 
And I do truly want to know what you think. If this particular episode resonated with you, will you also please share it? Either send the link to someone who would find it valuable or take a screenshot and post it to your social media and tell your friends and family why they should listen. Make sure you tag me at biceps.after.babies so I can hear your feedback and give you a little love. And you know, if you aren't already following me on Instagram or Facebook, that's the perfect time to hit that follow button. Thank you for being here and listening to Biceps After Babies Radio.